Welcome to another edition of the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Our guest this week is the editor-in-chief at Oklahoma's SB Nation affiliate, CrimsonandCreamMachine.com. Follow him on Twitter, at CCMachine. He's Jack Shields. Jack, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on, guys. The over-under for the Orange Bowl is at 81.5, the highest in Alabama history, the highest in college football playoff history. Do you dare touch the under? No, absolutely not. Slam the over. <laughs> slam it. I cannot emphasize that enough. I mean, even if Bama runs away with this, you could see maybe a 62-28 final score, which is obviously hitting the over there. So, I mean, and if Oklahoma does well, then, you know, obviously it could be a shootout of sorts. So, yeah, slam the over. Hey, Brad Canning here. Thanks for coming on with us, buddy. Wanted to ask you what everyone's kind of paying attention to for uh, some updates, and that's going to be the status of Hollywood Brown in this matchup. Uh, you know, Kyler seems to think that he's going to play and I understand why he uh, does wish he is going to play. What have you heard so far on the status of him, and, and what does Hollywood Brown bring to this game if he does indeed suit up? Well, Riley was just speaking to the media here about an hour ago, and he basically said, oh, well, he, there, it's not a no and it's not a yes. So we know absolutely nothing about this, which is how it's always with injury reports with Oklahoma. It's You're going to find out a few days before the game or maybe the day of the game is essentially what's going to happen. But, you know, it's, it's not like we haven't – or not like Oklahoma hasn't been without Hollywood Brown for a few stretches this year or last year. I mean, the first half of last year, he was basically a, a non-starter in this offense. So, I mean, they – know how to uh, adjust without him and stuff like that. Kyler Murray was basically without him throughout the fourth quarter against Texas and was still able to uh, move the ball pretty much at will at that point. I mean, it's not like he's short of weapons. He has a great offensive line to work with, but can't be overstated how important Hollywood Brown is. I mean, he's the guy who can really take the top off of a defense, even an Alabama defense. It's obviously a guy who Oklahoma would miss, but it's also not like Murray doesn't have his share of weapons, and it's not like C.D. Lamb can't take the top off of the defense either it would obviously be a big deal if he didn't play I mean he's projected by many to be the first uh, receiver to go in this year's draft it obviously wouldn't be anything to sneeze at but at the same time it wouldn't be a complete deal breaker for Oklahoma I guess you would say there were some people uh, in Alabama upset with uh, Saturday night's results of the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> let, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. And I, I'm one that thinks Kyler Murray is deserving. So I want to throw that out okay. there first before I ask this. Are, I think all three were deserving, honestly. Me, me too. I mean, me too. I couldn't have, you couldn't have gone wrong. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I, I feel the exact same way. Are Kyler Murray's numbers inflated because of the defenses he plays against? I think to a degree, yes, but at the same time, I mean, you see Oklahoma's offense against, you know, the Ohio States and Georgia of the, of the world, and they still move the ball pretty damn well. So, I mean, I mean, you saw what happened to uh, Michigan's defense a few weeks ago when they finally faced a dynamic offense in Ohio State. They got lit up. It's hard to say. I mean, obviously, it does mean a little bit because, I mean, you don't usually you don't have quite the same athletes on defense in the Big 12, and also you're more likely to go into a shootout in the Big 12 because I guess sometimes the uh, coaches don't quite trust their defenses, so the uh, offenses sort of go balls to the wall, if I can say that. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's they're inflated a little bit, but at the same time, he is in a position where he has to score on pretty much every drive because his defense is terrible. It's kind of hard to pinpoint it, but yeah, I mean, to a degree, I'm sure they are inflated to a certain extent. We've seen a lot be made of, you know, the speculation of Kyler's uh, trajectory in life after this season is over. And I know there's been some talk about there was a, uh, a clause that he was only going to be allowed to play this year, and then that was it. 
Uh, is there any type of scenario we could see Kyler down the road ever play both sports or play football again, period? 100% would not happen at Oklahoma. He's either going pro in baseball or pro in football, but he keeps continually saying that the plan is to play baseball, But and I believe him on that, but he sort of keeps things a little open-ended, and maybe this is a hot take of some sort, but I think this is a giant marketing ploy a little bit as far as leaving the football thing open-ended to just kind of keep this conversation going on for the next few months just to uh, just his marketability in general. I mean, it's have him on the tip of everyone's tongue you know he'll be the conversation of the sports world for the next month or two if he'll have a decision coming up and all that stuff even if it isn't even much of a decision in reality i mean the more prudent move is obviously to play baseball but the more prudent move obviously wouldn't have been to uh come and play football at oklahoma for a year after signing a deal with the a's so yeah i don't he, think there's he, anybody else uh in college football making more money this year than it, he it, is. that's <laughs> completely true but uh he's about 5'9", he's not very, I don't know, he, he's more well-built than people think, but he's still, you know, maybe in the 190-pound range, which that doesn't really lend itself to longevity in the uh, NFL. So I, you would think he would pick baseball, but he's already shown that he's going to do whatever the hell makes him happen. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of hard to read, but I mean, I would certainly lean towards baseball, but you never know. Uh, you brought up Oklahoma's defense just a second ago. Is it overstated how bad their defense is? Uh, like, are, no. there, are there okay? So, there are, what are the <laughs> redeeming qualities? <laughs> yeah, because honestly, I've watched not uh, not a lot of Oklahoma. I've I've made it a point to kind of try, try to watch Kyler Murray some. I, I watched the West Virginia game, which obviously. Woo. Yeah, but I, I, I didn't know if maybe that was just them playing Will Greer, so it was sort of on full display there. Or is it is it overstated? I don't think it's overstated, but I would say you mentioned redeeming qualities, and I guess one of them is their ability to, I guess, get timely stops, which pretty much every close game they've played this year, it's ended with a big Oklahoma defensive play of some sort. I mean, against Texas, there was the safety on Ellinger. You know, Will Greer, there were the two defensive touchdowns. You know, against Oklahoma State, there was the two-point conversion stop. Army, there was an interception to end it. Iowa State, there was an interception to clinch it. They tend to, I guess, make plays when it matters most. But at the same time, you can say that they're very bad at not making those plays. I mean, they, there are times when they could kind of put things away in the third quarter, but they can't get off the field on third and 18. Against West Virginia, the Mountaineers were, I think it was 12 of 18 on third down, which wasn't exactly uh, abnormal against an Oklahoma defense. I mean, they've had that problem for the past three years. You know, if Alabama gets into third and long, don't fret. <laughs> you know, it's uh, <laughs> it, you could take the top off the safeties easily. I mean, or get something underneath and get it to fourth and one and get something on fourth down. So, I mean, that's what plenty of offensives have done to Oklahoma this year. But, yeah, I guess timely stops. And sometimes, you know, when they've uh, put their mind to it, they've been decent against the run. Like, they switch away from the nickel into a kind of a 4-3 hybrid against Texas. And that sort of neutralized Texas's bread and butter, which was the QB run game. Ellinger didn't really do too much on the ground and wasn't able to, I guess, kind of chew clock and keep it away from Oklahoma. So, I guess there's that. Whenever they decide to play aggressively against the run, they have been fairly successful. Like, I guess there's that. <laughs> There isn't much else to grasp at, honestly. Uh, gun to head, what would you choose they do better, uh, you know, run defense or pass defense? Uh, run defense by default. Okay, and what do you think they're going to try to take an approach on against Alabama? Uh, they might do something similar. I mean, move away from the uh, nickel scheme and go with 4-3, maybe have a few more guys in the box or something like that, because I think the issue is no matter how many people you dedicate to defending the pass, it seems like teams 
have success no matter what in mm-hmm. the passing game and are able to take the top off even if you give a 10-yard cushion or even if you have five or six defensive backs out there. It doesn't really seem to matter. So you might as well try to take one element out of it, and that's the Alabama run game. But obviously that's much easier said than done because Alabama's offensive line is outstanding and they have a very good backfield. So that, that's kind of why I'm not too confident. I think Alabama's offensive line could dominate this Oklahoma defensive front and kind of have their way with them, which you know I'm not too confident as far as that's concerned. So. Well, that would be the first time in several games they've actually taken uh, control for a whole game if that happens, and uh, I'd be happy to well, see that. Well, it's again. an Oklahoma defense, so you know it's <laughs> yeah. it's, it's definitely a it's definitely a possibility. This <laughs> is true. It's kind of an open-ended question, but outside of the status of Hollywood Brown and obviously the now newly cra- uh, newly crowned Heisman Trophy winner, who is the X factor in this game for Oklahoma in any phase at all? Who, you know, who do you think that needs to be that guy in this game? Ooh, uh, I guess C.D. Lamb, maybe. You know, if Brown's gone, he's going to have to really step up and be the alpha of the receiving core, which he's more than capable of doing. He's done that in the past. I'm trying to lean maybe towards defense. And I, t- I tell you what, I'll say uh, Kenneth Murray, the Mike linebacker. You might recall the Rose Bowl game last year when his gap discipline was subpar at best uh, <laughs> and co- sort of let Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb find holes throughout the day. And he was a true freshman last year. But I would say if he... Is fundamentally sound in this game, and if he's able to read the gaps, if he's able to plug up the holes, I think maybe he, or this goes through he and Curtis Bolton as far as this is concerned. But uh, yeah, I guess I'd say he's the X factor just to uh, I guess prevent some of the stuff that happened last year from happening again. And I'm actually fairly confident in his ability to do that. But I guess I'd say him. Looking to the future at Oklahoma, there have been a lot of rumors concerning Alabama co-defensive coordinator and inside linebackers coach Pete Golding taking the DC job at Oklahoma. Have you heard anything new from the Oklahoma side that indicates he may take that job? You see, the one thing on this end that seems somewhat encouraging, and maybe it's just maybe it's just grasping at straws at this point, but the speculation prior to the college football playoff bracket coming out was that Oklahoma was going to move quickly to hire a defensive coordinator. Now it seems like that's not happening anytime soon, and that would kind of bring into question, you know, whether or not they're waiting until after the college football playoff to go after Pete Golding or make a firm offer, or really, uh, I guess, kind of pick up these discussions once again. So I, I would imagine they would throw quite a bit of money his way, more than Ole Miss threw at him. Just depends on what Nick Saban's willing to do there. I mean, I highly doubt that Saban's uh, willing to throw out that kind of money to uh, keep a guy who isn't even the defensive play caller for the most part, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, he's the co-coordinator, but isn't really the defensive play caller from. But at the same time, it doesn't seem like the most prudent move on Golding's part to come to the Big 12 instead of staying at Alabama. You would think that the uh, next stop for Golding would be uh, a head coaching job at a group of five school or something like that, or maybe somewhere else. Because historically, that's been the path for Saban's defensive coordinators. So in that respect, it would be kind of difficult to see him taking the gig, but I think they're probably going to give it a try from what I can I can think. That him or Alex Grinch, potentially. Lincoln Riley kind of seems to be a popular name in NFL circles right now, too. Is there any legitimacy to that? If someone like Jerry Jones says, hey, Lincoln, here's $10 million, come be the coach, then that would be something yeah that would be something he'd have to listen to obviously but uh, in all also he you know he's a texas kid so the cowboys are kind of a big deal for people who grow up in texas so that would be one thing but at the same time it looks like they've got that division locked up and i think against all odds it looks like jason garrett's job is sort of secure there so uh you know i and i don't know if he'd leave 
Yeah, you know, because I mean, if Oklahoma, if if he uh, gets some NFL offers, Oklahoma's obviously, I think, going to pony up and try to be competitive in that respect. Whoever comes after him is going to have to probably throw quite a bit of money in his direction. And I don't know if the Cleveland Browns are willing to do that or not. I don't know if the Packers are willing to do that. I don't even know if he would be near the top for the Packers or not. But that would obviously be something he would consider with Aaron Rodgers there and all that. Outside of those two gigs, I don't really see anything opening up that would really entice him. If if I had to put my money on it, I would say that he will be at Oklahoma next year and probably will be for the foreseeable future. But like I said, if that Cowboys gig ever opens up and Jerry has his mind set on Lincoln Riley and wants to back up the truck, then, you know, we'll see. So I wanted to kind of step off uh, real quick. What is the legitimacy that we will never see Coach Bob Stoops coach again? Because, you know, you had those Auburn rumors that were started more than likely by Jimmy Sexton, but <laughs> uh, which had the negative effect because Gus took a smaller buyout. But, you know, it, is there ever going to be a scenario that he's going to coach again? Or is he truly content with being done with college football or football in general? Anyone you talk to who is close to Mike Stoops does not get the impression that he is itching to leave his retirement life right now he you know he's got the beard growing and all that stuff he's playing (laughs) golf all day he's hanging out in chicago and sometimes in norman and you know just kind of doing his thing i mean he's kind of living the life that barry switzer's been living for the past three decades (laughs) in norman so i mean it's or other than when he was with the cowboys but like he was a guy who was wanting to get out of that stressful gig i mean that's one of the most stressful gigs there is and his family obviously has a history with heart disease with his father passing from a heart attack while he was coaching up in Ohio in high schools you know that was always a concern for him I think he's getting up there in age I tell you what the one thing that I could picture him potentially biting at would be Iowa when not because it's necessarily a high profile gig but just because it's where he went to school and the pressure of that gig wouldn't be too high he'd be able to just kind of do his thing I think and he'd probably bring Mike Stoops out of retirement and have him go against big 10 defenses and probably have a lot more success so you know know Iowa (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if that job's ever going to come open in my lifetime. See, exactly, yeah. I, I think Kirk Ferentz is going to live forever. So, uh, and no. appar- apparently, I was completely content with going seven and five and eight and four in perpetuity. I don't think his job's ever in jeopardy. I think, uh, yeah, I don't picture that coming open anytime soon, unless Ferentz decides to retire or something like that. Yeah, that that would be the one that would kind of maybe pique his interest. But I, in general, I I think he's happy with what he's doing. All right, we just have a couple more. We'll wrap it up. What is the feel in Norman for this game, for the 29th? Is there cautious optimism? Or, or, all, or is this kind of like, a, oh, we're playing Alabama, we don't, you know, that kind of thing that it, we, we kind of see often? It's always cautious optimism at best with this fan base because of the <laughs> recent history with championship situations or, I guess, uh, national championship situations. I think most people are confident that this is going to be a close game. I think I think people are confident, you know, after seeing what, you know, Mayfield and those guys did to Georgia's defense, at least in the first half last year, that they can, you know, at least put some points on the board and at least make this a respectable game and maybe, maybe something can fall their way towards the end and they can get a W. But, uh, you know, I don't think, I couldn't really put a finger on whether or not people think Oklahoma will win or not but I, I, I don't think anyone thinks that Oklahoma's going to get blown out. It's not like it was heading into that Sugar Bowl a few years ago when Oklahoma came out on top. But I, I, I knew plenty of people who said, I'm not going to that game because we're going to get our ass kicked. I mean, that was most of the people I knew. So, I mean, it's, uh, 
It's different this time around, though. I mean, I think people are confident that they can be competitive with Alabama. I don't think people are necessarily picking a W, but I think people are thinking it might be, a, I guess, an instant classic, sort of like last year with Georgia. Yeah, it's a lot different because, uh, number one, the kick six didn't happen less than three weeks ago. And uh, <laughs> number two, it's not the damn Sugar Bowl, which yeah, Alabama exactly. used to never win you know, in recent history. So, uh, no, I do think it's different. But to kind of set up Wes on this next one, uh, do you think Oklahoma covers the spread? What's the spread right now? Is it 14 still? Yeah, it's right around 14 or 14 and a half. Uh, sure, yeah. I'll give, I'll give a cover there. All right, do you have a final prediction? Oh... Let's see. Let's go Alabama 55, Oklahoma 49. <laughs> we'll take it. Roll Tide. <laughs> Is it coming down to a last-minute drive or no? Uh, it might. Yeah, I think it might. <laughs> All right. All right, he's Jack Shields. Go to the crimsonandcreammachine.com leading up to the Orange Bowl. Follow him on Twitter, at CC Machine. Jack, we greatly appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. All right, Brad. Jack gave us a W on the 29th. I uh, hey, look, uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure that was pretty tough for him, but I'm I'm glad he's uh, he's being realistic now. I'm gonna tell you if it uh, if that score that he predicted held true, <laughs> let's just say uh, <laughs> let's just say it's gonna be a pretty uh, pretty stressful night, and my liver's gonna hate me. So yeah, I, honestly, like the way that I feel about Kyler Murray is that Kyler Murray maybe he did play against terrible defenses. I'm not gonna be a Big Twelve defense apologist, I assure you, but I think Kyler Murray played like an elite player should play against terrible opponents. No, and that is is 100% a great point because how often does a player against shitty defenses actually step up and play to that level they should be playing against that competition and do it consistently too if it's week in and week out? Think, think about Tua versus Ole Miss. Like, Ole Miss is possibly the worst defense in the conference, right? If, <laughs> if there's a worse one, it's it's not coming to me. <laughs> but think about how Tua played against Ole Miss. He played like an elite player should have. And so we as a fan base didn't take that away from him, right? Mm-hmm. Why do people kind of try to take that away from Kyler Murray when he does it? Now, of course, he does it more often. Yeah, uh, I think he's playing Ole Miss caliber defenses more often than Tua is. But still, I, I think I think he's going to give Alabama some some issues. The thing that I'm more I'm concerned about with his game is it's just the simple fact of we're going to be we're going to have flashbacks of 2012 type moments in a sense because. He is he's the best quarterback since probably Nick Marshall we faced that's going to be able to uh, escape out of the pocket and create plays with his legs because we've actually done a great job the last few years against quarterbacks that were you know made out to be that kryptonite of Alabama's defense but it hasn't really been taken advantage of against us. I think Kyler is that kind of guy to where. He's not going to stand in that pocket, and it's going to come down to eye discipline and holding your assignments with this defense because I think he can create more plays than what's actually called based on what they see. And one thing that I do go back to, so I want to kind of maybe not contradict myself, but I'm, it's like I'm arguing with me here. The best defense they played against, statistically, is Army, who held them to 28 points. So maybe, think- maybe there is something to that. Now, now granted, you know just as well as I do, Army had the ball like 90% yeah, almost 50 of the minutes. Game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, Oklahoma scored on four out of five possessions in regular uh, in the 60 minute period, and then in overtime they won it. So, yeah. So that's really more of a testament to Army's offense, I suppose. Uh, that and uh, Oklahoma or, being efficient, yeah. at least. So, <laughs> yeah. Or, or the lack of defense uh, for Oklahoma yeah. as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I clearly. Tua or whoever is in at quarterback uh, is not going to have issues scoring against this defense. 
No, Mac Wilson can go in. I, I mean, we'll be all right. <laughs> he will, he'll, and he'll tweet about it after. Oh my God! Yeah, actually, no. Let's not play him at quarterback because it's already enough content out there from him. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. So, upcoming, Brad. The early signing day is December nineteenth. We do plan on having a signing day episode. Well, we got a week down. We got a couple announcements, including Kayvon Saturday. Uh, we got Nicobe Dean, Trey Sanders drama coming out. You got, uh, you know, really, I just think Evan Neal. Yeah, Evan Neal. I, I think this last two to three day stretch is going to be unreal especially on the 19th too with kids are going to announce and sign on uh, ESPN don't lose your mind over the whole clay web thing but I think this is going to be pretty enjoyable to compare to the last year's absolutely treacherous December signing class yeah I mean it is it's a hundred percent plausible that between now and the 19th Alabama could add four or five five-star talents <laughs> well, I think <laughs> But if yeah. they don't, if they only add, say, one of those four or five, we're going to see a meltdown from this fan oh, base. God. Because a lot of this is up in the air. Yeah. Thibodeau, it seems like, is leaning Alabama. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't totally surprise anybody if he went elsewhere. If he picked Oregon or Florida State, I think, is kind of a dark horse a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Nakobe Dean, it seems like, is trending Alabama. But mm-hmm. there's still a lot of speculation out there. There's a lot of different a lot of different teams that feel optimistic about N'Kobe Dean. I don't know if he's the type that kind of that tells staffs what they want to hear. Uh, Bobby Brown. Yeah, we, yeah, <laughs> we see, we see, you see that a lot in, in recruiting. You know, you got to keep in mind these are 17 or 18 year olds. They don't want to disappoint people. They maybe give several different coaching staffs positive vibes. Trey Sanders. My advice on Trey Sanders is just put down your phone and Jesus. don't read anything about him Wait until the nineteenth and see who he who he chooses because that recruitment is going to be all is it's already all over the place. It's Gosh. going to be this next week is going to be a circus. Evan Neal, yeah. it seems like is trending Alabama. Georgia is still pushing for him. Uh, I did see Brad. You might get a kick out of this. Georgia came after Will Riker, Alabama's kicker commitment, pretty hard, <laughs> basically promising him a starting spot next year. <laughs> Yeah, and so what that tells me is we might actually have a damn good kicker recruit coming in. So, Or, or um, maybe Kirby wants to copy Alabama so much that he is willing to bring in a terrible kicker as well. Well, that's the only way you can that, – that's the missing piece in trying to replicate <laughs> Saban's dynasty is have a shitty kicker. No one in college football has been able to win multiple championships in a five-year span because of the fact they've had great kicking and a decent team. But no, look, I, you know, Kirby also tried to come after Tosh Lupoy. There was rumors out there, uh, which I, at this point, it's like, it, it seems like Kirby's almost being petty. And I'm really, you know, losing any type of luster or love I had for him. I, honestly, I think it was gone with the most Smith's mom thing. But no, it's uh, it's crazy. Hopefully we don't lose that kicker commit because now he, I, he's already said he, he said he's not even visiting Georgia. He, he basically what? told Kirby, thanks, but no thanks. OK, now do we have a punter worth a damn committed? Uh. Well, actually, Will Reichard punts as well. I don't think I don't know that a lot of people know that, but he he does punt and and punts pretty well. If well, Skyler yeah. DeLong, for whatever <laughs> reason, doesn't get it together for next year, there is another option. Okay. Well, you're not going to get much worse than uh, old DeShort at punting. So, <laughs> so yeah, that that's the two main concerns in this class for me is uh, just the uh, place kicking game. Which I will say, Alabama was perfect in place kicking against Georgia. So. Uh, I will bow down and admit, you know, that they were great and I was wrong. But at the same time, I've been hurt. I know I'm going to get hurt again. I just want to make sure it's worth being hurt. Yeah, it's always best to assume it's not going in. 
So there's a lot of drama coming up this week with recruiting. We will definitely keep you updated. Look out for our recruiting episode of the Roll Bama Roll podcast. Roll Tide.